0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Is This Just Fantasy? I'm your host,
1: Geordie Bailey.
0: I'm his friend who's both wildly inconsistent in tone and quality, Duncan Nickel.
1: Yes, getting right into our key assessment of today's book, Duncan. A pretty relative unknown, uh, perhaps indeed a diamond in the rough, Jerrel of Jewelry by C. L. Moore. We covered it very briefly in our previous episode, Duncan, but can you give us a little crash course on C.L. Moore and jor of Joyery?
0: Of course, I'm not a scholar on C.L. Moore particularly, but she was a... You're just a scholar on Robert E. Howard and Conan. Exactly, and C.L. Moore ties into that. C.L. Moore was a fantasy and sci-fi author who was writing fiction right back in the 1930s through to the 50s, I believe into the 60s. She was a contemporary of Robert E. Howard, even publishing in the same magazine, Weird Tales. As her career went on, she paired up with her husband and they kind of launched a really prolific um, dual... What do you call it when you're two authors under, like, one name? Like, with Expanse? Uh, a writing partnership, I guess. Does it not have, like, a special term when you're, like, dual authors, or...?
1: It, it probably has a special
0: French name, I'm sure. Well, they kicked out. I just think of it as co-authoring. They kicked out a lot of work, particularly in science fiction. But Jarell of Jewelry is her personal heroic fantasy heroine character who appeared in six stories in the nineteen thirties. I want to say relatively unknown. I think the truly unknowns we don't know about by sort of definition. But I always wanted to try and explore because it's a very interesting time in fantasy literature. You know, when you are pre Lord of the Rings the kind of moulds aren't set people are really kind of more explorative this isn't I think a bit of a wild frontier in sort of the pulp mm. fiction space mm, perhaps perhaps
1: before we get stuck into the collected works of C.L. Moore and Jurel of Jewelry, shall we have a quick go over what we've been doing in the past two weeks Duncan
0: I think we should Geordie what have you been reading I heard you've been reading quite a lot I have been reading quite
1: a lot. I've been on a real kick. Uh, for some reason... I can't remember why. I think it was a composition you and I had, Duncan, a couple of weeks back. I really just got stuck back into Elric. Um, hey. I, I, for some reason, I just had the urge to, 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 to revisit him. Having finished up with Weird of a White Wolf, I'd never gone any further. So since then, I've read The Sleeping Sorceress, Forward Slash, The Vanishing Tower, and i had a good time with it a very enjoyable read much more just a special swordsman going on an adventure uh it's as you'd expect from from michael moorcock the story just goes in so many directions you just do not expect there's a bit where he fights dinosaurs um and he meets up with corum one of one of Michael Morcop's other characters, but like for the second time, and he doesn't remember having met Korum the first time when he met up with Koram and Hawkmoon uh, in Sailors to in Sailing to the Past. So very strange. Very very strange stories. Um and then I had the really, really challenging process of trying to find out what on earth I was supposed to read next. Mm. Because and I re- and I and the funny thing is. I was so lost trying to find this out, scouring the internet, trying to get a clear answer on what the correct chronology was, when stuff was written, when. I actually went back and listened to our episode on Elric of Melniboné, our first good episode, and I was listening through to the start, and I was really amused by the fact that, Duncan, in that episode, you did a breakdown of like the, the Elric canon and how confusing it is and in my sort of joke response to that was getting super stressed out about how confusing and weird it was but i actually realized you gave a really really solid and helpful guidance on how to yes. find which books to read it was actually a really good description and i didn't realize it helped me so much so because of that i um i I had already managed to find Revenge of the Rose, which is the next one. But you in that episode told me, oh, skip it because it's like Fortress of a Pearl. And having read Fortress of the Pearl and given up on it because it's not good. I was like, oh, so I need to skip this one and go on to um, the, black, the Bane of the Black Sword. Except you can't <laughs> find Bane of the Black Sword anywhere. So if you want No, so
0: Bane of the Black Sword is um uh, so Bane of the Black Sword is a collection of short stories, but it's a very specific collection that was brought out in like the nineties. Yeah. So it doesn't really exist anymore. No,
1: it doesn't exist anymore, Duncan. So I'm scouring the internet trying to find either a saved PDF or like even just a paperback copy which someone has saved, which is out there for 97
0: pounds to get About a hundred pages worth of fantasy novel content. No, stop, 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 stop. Roll down. Roll back, sorry. 97 quid for Bane of the Black Sword.
1: I think that's right.
0: Uh, My collection is worth more than I thought. (laughs) I spent like £1.50 on that.
1: Duncan, you could get some fucking collectors in there and, and on the case. But here's the best part, right? Yeah. I eventually find out that *Bane of the Black Sword* is obviously not a story; it's a collection of short stories, and the collection of short stories is in the same book which I got *Revenge of the Roads* in. So I had already bought it. I was scouring around trying to find it, and I already owned it. It just wasn't called *Bane of the Black Sword*; it was called, uh, uh, you know,
0: a bunch of shit. *Soul Stealer* and his further adventures.
1: Yeah, *Stealer of Souls* and uh. Uh, to Rescue, uh, to, to, to Journey to Tanalorn, The uh, the Black Merchant Song, shit like that.
0: Right, for people who maybe don't know this concept... So that's my context, adventures with Elric. Can I give a quick rundown? It's a bunch yeah. of short stories written completely out of order that were then collected into, like, published books.
1: Duncan, you already did this! It's an episode four of the podcast, If you want to hear this speech, just go back and listen to that one. It's our first good episode.
0: It, it really was. Well, second good episode. First good episode to be published but we don't mention that.
1: Yes, exactly. Empire out of Empire. We're not allowed to talk about
0: it. I'm glad you enjoyed them. Did you enjoy the bit when he flies on a mechanical bird?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. And the funny thing is that when I imagined the bird, and it's described as being like covered in jewels and being quite twisted and made of metal and stuff, I kind of imagined it, I later realised, as the Pokemon Skarmory, which is also a metal bird. But when... There was an image, like a, p- a picture of it right at the end of the book. It looks exactly like the mechanical bird from Bioshock Infinite. And so I and think I know where they got their idea at the that same game. time. But
0: going through some of the levels in that game, I was like, this kind of feels elric I I don't know if a lot of people are kind of drawn that comparison for. Particularly when you're playing it and you're like, well, I'm, I'm taking their mm. souls and I'm on this, like, Bastille place that I got to on a giant bird out in the water. I don't know. I had that vibe. Also, my character... My character was called Elric, he was a sorcerer and I made him an albino, so you know, that that helped as well.
1: Mmm... It's of decaying empires and stuff. Very, very nice, yeah, good. Speaking of Elric, I've been playing the video game Fear and Hunger, and all of my characters are named after Elric characters, because that's what I've been reading. I've had my Dark Priest, Theleb Ka'ana. I think I only called him Theleb. It didn't fit the whole thing. Uh, I've got my Outlander, uh, Smyorgan. He's doing quite well in the moment. And another guy called uh, Divimtar. And... Sorry. Divimthvar to do the stupid fantasy name. And I've got some... Uh, Duncan, never,
0: ever, ever play Fear and Hunger. Don't do it. It's the Darkest Dungeon type it's our, game, isn't it? It's like a...
1: Yes, it is Darkest hardcore. Dungeon type, but
0: it's even more unfair RPG such fucking bullshit
1: I Duncan I was doing so well I was doing so well in the game you have half an hour there's no other time limits in the game but you have half an hour to rescue this one guy and if you don't rescue him he's dead you find his corpse instead of him alive so you have to rush through the first part of the game like not picking up allies and stuff to get this guy because he's a really good ally so, I've never managed to rescue him before, but I finally whiz through the game because I get the one item I need to access to one shortcut, and I go through as fast as I can, I grab him, yes, yes, I got him, and all I have to do now is save the game. And to save the game, you have to go to a save point, you know, just like... Alien isolation, a bunch of old school games. And so I I whiz around, I find a bed to sleep in, and if, Duncan, there are bad guys in the area, you have to, you do a little, a little toy, a little toy toss, a, a coin toss, and I flip it, and I even spend my special lucky token that I get to, I get to, I get to flip two coins, two coins, and they both come up tails. They both come up tails, so I get attacked. I get attacked by a horrid monster, and I used to kill the monster, and I'm like, okay, I'm barely alive, but I killed the monster, so now I just get to go, now I just gotta go to sleep Duncan. Now I just gotta go to sleep. But oh no, oh no. Apparently that game says you have too much adrenaline. You can't go to sleep right now. But Duncan, I need to save the game. I have to go out and visit my girlfriend. I can't keep playing Fear and Hunger. But luckily Duncan, I know for a fact that I just go to one hall over into a new area of the game. The bed I already slept in. I know for a fact there are no enemies left in the area because I killed all of them. So I just have to go back there and I'll sleep and it can't trigger a random event because the bad guys are all dead. And I go back there and I go to bed and there's a coin toss. And I think to myself, that doesn't make any sense. They're all dead. No one's here to attack me. So I flip the coin and it comes up tails and then I wake up and standing next to my bed is the Crow Mauler. Duncan the Crow Mauler is a roving, horrible, horrible bad guy who just walks slowly towards you at random times in the game. And let me tell you, Duncan. You know how bad he is? How bad is he, Dordie? I I, I start the fight. I try to run. He doesn't let me run. Like a Pokemon battle, sometimes you can't run. The first turn, he gives a couple of warps. Oops. Not good. Second turn, I try to run. doesn't work. He makes one attack. And a crow mauler, big, muscly man with a crow's head, he pecks off the guard's head. The guy spent that half hour and and literally a week trying to rescue. He pecks his head off and kills him instantly. Just eats his head. And that's it. That's it. That's
0: all ruined. All of it. Gone. I'd like to remind the audience (sighs) that, you know, time spent having fun, it's never time wasted. Were you having fun, Jordy?
1: So yeah, don't play fear and hunger.
0: I know not to play fear and hunger. That's why I don't play games that are like hard but also random. That's why I think I gel with like Dark Souls because although it's like famously for being hard, at least it's always kind of in your control.
1: That's true. That's true. There are no. It's not RNG based. It's every time you reload the game, you know what to expect. Anyway, I replayed that same level today, and I finally did it. And vindicated. Fear and Hunger is a great game. Everyone should play.
0: Seriously, don't play
1: it. Not a, not everyone should play it, though. Like it, it is a horrible game, and like it's it's a very much a horror, and not a nice kind of horror. It's like the berserk type of horror. Uh,
0: so what have you been? reading? Oh right, yeah, me. Gosh, uh, let me think. Compared to your horrific experiences and your deep dive back into Elric. What have I been reading? For? Well, I'll tell you already. So, a bit lighter. I often read comics um, around the main book of the week. Because they're light, they're easy, mm. they're fluffy, and sometimes I'm just so tired. and I just, I need a break, yes, I need some yes. light. So, I've read... Yeah, man, I got the new version of uh, Comey Can't Communicate. Oh, that's really nice. What, like the closest edition yeah. or just uh, just the next volume? No,
1: just, just for just latest volume to come out. It's a, it's a nice, cute one.
0: I'm happy for you. I picked up the next two books. Well, the, the two comic book continuations of The Legend of Korra animated TV series, Yay. which in itself is the sequel to the Avatar The Last Airbender animated TV series, which is amazing and has its own comic book follow-ups.
1: I watched all of The Legend of Korra season one once I had COVID. That was a good show. I enjoyed it a lot. I would place it over uh, the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender and probably put it tied with the second season.
0: Oh, see, I've never thought about ranking them. I suppose I would put it tied with the second season. No, I think the second season of Avatar is still above it. The thing with Korra, and you've okay. only watched the first season. No, 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 I've seen the whole thing. Okay, you've seen the whole thing. I felt second season One, of Korra... good. Two,
1: bad. Three, great. Four,
0: I don't remember. Four, I also thought was great. I put four okay. right up there. Four, three and four, right up there on the top tier of Lars Airbender. Two, absolutely some of the worst of the whole universe. But going back to these two follow-ups... If you've ever been excited to see what happens to Korra and Asami's relationship, the first kind of open LGBTQ plus relationship in this universe that we get to explore Huzzah. and be intimate with, and you want to know kind of how that plays out, and if you want to know about how the villains from the fourth season kind of come back and get developed, well, you should read my reviews. I wrote about them on our Instagram. Is this your <laughs> fancy podcast <laughs> on Instagram? Give us a follow and a like while you're there. Oh, Duncan, masterfully done.
1: Well done. This this is, he is a, a social media icon, ladies and gentlemen, media sir, Duncan Nichols.
0: Thank you very much. No, but we are definitely trying to post more additional reviews on our Instagram. So always appreciated if you go over there and check it out. And a special actual shout out today, because someone really kindly reached out to us and actually said how much they were enjoying our podcast on Instagram. The Fantasy Novice, Michael at The Fantasy Novice, reached out and said that he'd been listening to our Warbreaker episode. Personal compliments to yourself, Geordie, for being hilarious.
1: That's very kind of him. Thank you so much.
0: No personal compliments to me, but that's okay. <laughs> we really like to hear from you guys on Instagram. It always kind of mm-hmm. brings a smile and makes our day. And if you're going to compliment us or if you're there to tell us that we're wrong about a book, either way, love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, tell Duncan that he's he's a media star and he's the future of uh,
0: social media. Eh, I'm not going to complain. But I haven't just been reading Cora. Something that I will talk about here and now is surprisingly, coming off of Jarel of Jewelry, I end up reading a lot of Red Sonya. Something about oh, that you know, red haired swordwoman character kind of just got me into it a bit. Geordie, what do you know about Red Sonya, the character?
1: Well, obviously, I know a couple of things about it you know i'm a i'm a big Conan fan but i haven't read that much extended Conan media so i've never seen like the red sonya movie and it's never read like okay uh, i've never read for example the marvel comic books where she eventually shows up because i've read very very few of those it's by duncan trying to push him on me I've never, In fact, I've only ever read one Red Sonya comic book, which, which I thought was pretty good. It was one written by uh, Gail Simone.
0: Yes, uh, Queen, the, Queen of Plagues.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. But overall, really what I know about it most of all is that when Conan writers were looking at the women of Conan, and specifically not the damsels, but the swordswomen, they said, you know, we've got Baelot, who has black and we have Valeria, who's blonde. We're missing one part of this Neapolitan ice cream. We need the strawberry. We need a redhead. And so, Red Sonia.
0: That is definitely one way to describe it. So Red Sonia came out of the comic, the Marvel comic books in the 1970s by the writer at the time, Roy Thomas, who I think has written more Conan works than anyone else, like far more than the original author ever did, all in comic book form. So be careful because they love to throw around Robert E. Howard's Red Sonja. <laughs> yeah, this is a massive misnomer, and it annoys the hell out of me. They did another one at one point. They did like a Robert E. Howard's Thulsa Doom, and I'm like, that that is not his character. Anyway, ah, wh- back to is, Red Sonya. Is he not? Doesn't he a cold villain? He's a cold villain, but he is nothing like they like to characterize in the Dynamite comics. Dynamite have the license to Red Sonja at the moment, and they. I think makes it more of the Conan movie than anything. But sorry, back to Red Sonja. So Roy Thomas, when he created Red Sonja, he kind of has spoken a lot in the interviews about his inspirations. And he always references two characters by Robert E. Howard. Sonja of Raganero, I believe is the pronunciation, who was in a swashbuckling tale. She had two, um, two pistols at her side. And it's about fighting off this Turkish insurgent. She was a mercenary. Shadow the Vulture is the name of the original story. And he also references Black Agnes, a story of a, believe even another redhead in France who kills the husband she's been forced to marry on her wedding day and takes off to be an independent sword woman. And I'm like, great. I see those inspirations. But, oh my God. When I read Jarelle of Jory, I was like, Roy... Seriously, you're telling me none of this inspires you. Because, I get it, you can't say it because you didn't have the license or the rights. You'd literally be opening yourself up to a lawsuit. But I think, I think you're, this is sus, Roy. You clearly, there's too much mm. in how her attitudes and some of the weird adventures she goes on. Red Sonja, like it, starts off in the Marvel universe particularly. Red Sonja would always have the slightly more... Mm their adventures, the sort of twisted and dark ones. The world was always less defined in Red Sonja, where Conan was always like, he is going here and here. The geography is fixed. The timeline is fixed. Red Sonja would always get into these weird kind of more wacky adventures where they just were like, okay, we want a kingdom in the mountains where they all ride giant woolly mammoths, Perfect. and that's just going to be the setting. And they'd be like, okay, this doesn't work in Hyboria, but go for it. And I, I, I think that really comes through within each of jewelry. Yes. It's like, okay, we're going weird fantasy setting, not consistent. This is the Alice in Wonderland end of the scale. This is our redhead swordwoman. Has a very complicated relationship with all the men. Yes. Yeah. This this is what we're talking about today. Oh, and by the way, just to quickly recognize Red Sonia, um, quite good. It's on the comics. Definitely give it a go. Start with the girl's Simone ones. That Geordie mentioned earlier. Yeah, so. Really nice. Well
1: done, Duncan. Thank you for guiding us through that. Uh, yeah, so Jarell of Joy-Rue, right? When you brought this up to me, Duncan, you know, swashbuckling sword and sorcery hero, uh, a very rare female hero in the genre, written in the 1930s by a woman, I was immediately really excited. I was really excited because I was like, man, like, this is not a well known. Uh, author or hero you know this is this is kind of, this could be a real diamond in the rough we could be looking at a sort of undiscovered gem you know for so many times in the past Duncan the artists are not appreciated in their time uh, whether that's because their ideas are too out there whether it's because of their race or their sex but sometimes Duncan Sometimes you write in the same magazine as Robert E. Howard, in the same genre as Robert E. Howard, and you're not as good as Robert E. Howard. So he kind of gets the spotlight. And that, unfortunately, is, in my opinion, that's Jerome of Jury.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just broadened. not as good. It's just not as good. It's- if my opening on this episode was given any hints, I do agree with you. Yeah. It's definitely has problems and it definitely improves so in the collection that we read there were six short stories yes you know reading all six i know you read all six no sorry
1: i didn't read all six i literally couldn't read all six this was not a long book but boy i couldn't do it i couldn't do it i had to make a deal with duncan but i only had to read three they are after all only a collection of short stories we don't always read all the short stories when we do like a Conan episode.
0: Um, but Um 175 my... pages Duncan, I... why couldn't you get through that? In the Listen, in the two weeks
1: It's been since the last episode I have read over a thousand pages Way over a thousand pages Of the Inheritance Cycle I've read both Aragon and Eldest And I've started it. And I breezed through that In the time it took me to read
0: about 60 pages of C. R. Moore I'm not here to disagree with you I might feel less strongly. I did finish them all. Yes, well done. Genuinely, well done. Wow. There is something quite magical about how dense (laughs) and how challenging some of this was to read. It just,
1: it's turgid. It's so turgid.
0: Just these huge
1: blocks of description of... And she, and Gerald did this. She wandered by the river and there were haunting shadows in the water that terrified her and she skipped over the stones and there were frogs on the other side which terrified her and stared at her with stars in their eyes that glimmered like the impossible stars overhead. And notice I repeated stars a couple of times because, boy, is her writing repetitive. Like, I think she once said something like, the melting stars melted.
0: Yes, I think that is a sentence that exists. Yeah. It is it is dense in description. There's no character. dialogue. There's no dialogue. Barely any dialogue. Now, that does improve. So let's break this down. Six stories. The first two are kind of geology Black God's Kiss and Black God's Shadow. Which get... was weird. That
1: was weird right from the start. I was not expecting, even though Black God's Shadow obviously sounds like the sequel to it, I really wasn't expecting a sequel. Because I was kind of primed for Conan, where every story stands alone. They're part of a chronology, but they don't, you don't actually have to read them in order. But no, it's an immediate follow-up.
0: We then get Drell Meets Magic, a massive change in tone and direction. Mm-hmm. We then get The Dark Land, which I like to pair with Drell Meets Magic. It has still a bit of like out-there weirdness, but we're getting some character. We're getting a bit of actual plot structure. I see. And then we get... Quest of the Starstone.
1: Yeah, the other which... one I read. That one was quite surprising.
0: This is, So I really want to bring this up because th- when I got to this one, I was like, what? What? This is the same character. Did you remember how I mentioned that C.L. Moore wrote fantasy and sci-fi? Yeah. Well, she gets the story number four, five, five, and then just decides, I'm going to meld the two out of nowhere. There is nothing in the lead up to this. But <sighs> in this fifth story, we get this... Future sci-fi element with heat guns. Yeah, and it's like uh,
1: okay. aliens, aliens, visitors, Venusians, uh, aliens from other planets, journeying back to the past. Like it literally is like you're reading a wheel, the Wheel of Time, and then Han Solo shows up.
0: You, uh, you, you read all the Wheel of Time. Duncan, I
1: have not read one damn word of Wheel of Time.
0: Geordie, I, no spoilers, but I, I actually have to tell you that's not far off. What? what? <laughs> There's some hardcore sci-fi elements Later in Wheel of Time but, uh, uh,
1: uh, Anyway so... On
0: with Juala <laughs> And then we get to Hellsgard, Which completely drops the sci-fi And goes back to a very classic sort of Ghost story theme <sighs> with an interesting kind of twist This is so inconsistent And the jumps between the wacky And like pulpy To like dark and brooding there is no to consistency here. Jurel's characterization is barely there, so it's very hard to tell where she kind of sits in things.
1: Without knowing too much about it, this has to be some sort of editorial wrestling, you know? This can't be her genuine vision for this character, or a character that she's especially attached to. Surely Jurel has to be more of a vehicle for just, I have a particular idea, I want to explore it. And maybe her editor's like, listen, this story isn't really working. I want you to change the tone. Like, you know, you told me in the past that, like, Conan came out of, like, stories, culled stories, which Robert E. Howard couldn't sell. So he changed it up and he made it into a Conan story instead. Like, there's a drastic change in the third Conan story where
0: he stops being a king and it goes back to his youth. It's certainly something that was recorded to happen a lot. The editors at Weird Tales had a lot of power over their authors when it came to content uh, direction the stories that were being submitted ultimately the authors wanted to get paid yeah and you did not get paid unless you got published so if, if that editor said i'll publish you but you gotta take out the entire romance subplot mm-hmm. guess what happened you sat down in your typewriter and you took it out or at least that was robert e howard's approach i can imagine something like this was happening here i think i can see two scenarios either Mm. number one the editor kept being like listen a sci-fi movie came out the other day that's real big put laser guns in it (laughs) i
1: i don't think that's what happened here uh i i noticed the, the the story the legend of the star stone uh the quest for the star stone that one was written with in a partnership with her husband and to my understanding that's from a later period in her career So, I have to wonder whether that was not a Jurel story. I mean, she's not, she's barely even a perspective character in it. That's her sci fi hero, Northwest Smith. And she decided she wanted to write a Northwest Smith story. And she said, hey, I can use Jurel in this story and like I can smush them together. Sort of weirdly, like Michael Moorcock. Like that sailing to the past he's putting Hawk Moon
0: and Elric together right yeah I kind of see that it's this kind of meld of like okay I want them to meet a character of the past oh I already wrote a story in the past let's just take jor the thing is I can see that
1: all authors secretly want their characters to all know each other Stephen King does it Uh, Brandon Sanderson does it even Bloody Tolkien does it like Gandalf and Elrond are not supposed to be in the same world together, right? Elrond is supposed to be in the Silmarillion, but uh oh, he accidentally incorporated Elrond when he was telling a story to his a bedtime story to his kids, and now he has to include it in a novel. And now Elrond, who does not belong in Lord of the Rings, is there. And now Gandalf has to fit into his legendary. Does that happen? Yes. Like, Elrond is not supposed to meet Gandalf. They are different, they are different, different canons completely. And then he accidentally mushed them together. Like, Lord of the Rings is not supposed to be a sequel to The Hobbit. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. no, 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 no. I have not heard that before. The Lord of the Rings is the sequel to The Hobbit. Everyone's in The Hobbit.
1: Okay, okay. so I, 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 that was phrased a little flippantly. So the Lord of the Rings is a sequel to The Hobbit. But when Tolkien was writing a sequel to The Hobbit, um... He realised, oh well, I can use this as an opportunity to enhance my legendarium. So, for f- long before he wrote the Hobbit, he was writing up ideas for what would eventually be coalesced by Christopher Tolkien into the Silmarillion. So, for example, like he was coming up with ideas even as far back as World War One. In uh, the Fall of Gondolin, Christopher Tolkien writes about how one of the very first drafts for the story of. The Fall of Gondolin, the story about a great bastion of civilization being slaughtered by evil, he wrote whilst recovering in the hospital after the Battle of the Somme, where, like, a bunch of his friends died, to give you an idea about where he was in his head. So Elrond is supposed to be, like, the capstone to that legendarium. He represents the end because, you know, his dad is the evening star and stuff. He has the last Silmaril in space when he has to tell the story to hobbit because he's telling a bedtime story to his kids he just plucks a name out of the air he plucks a bunch of names out of the air like most of the dwarves taken from the beginning of the uh, the poetic or the prose edda like he just nabbed a bunch of ideas and suddenly oops elrond is in the hobbit he's not supposed to be there
0: i have never heard this kind of of events i'm i'm actually really fascinated now because i've always thought Kind of always interested me. I've not read the Silmarillion, but where do the wizards fit? (laughs) Thank you for the foreshadowing. Where do the wizards fit into the Silmarillion? They're on like the second to last page. (laughs) And the wizards came into the world because they're there later. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm
1: picking the Silmarillion off my shelf right now. All right. I'm going back through the 100 page long index. Okay, there we go. Um, of the Rings of Power in the Third Age. So this is about. Yeah, so the is the story of the sinking of Numenor. They're not here yet. Um, of the Rings of Power in the Third Age goes from page in my version. 100, so, so 273. Jordy, I
0: think you'll find if you watch Rings of Power, Gandalf comes down before Numenor falls. Ah, yeah, is that get right? right.
1: Yeah, oops. So it's about. a little under t- like 30 pages. And in those 30 pages, part of it is just Ystaria here now. There are four of them. Uh, two of them have names. And two of them might have names. I might change my mind on that. And they show up. And it's a very brief period of a very small amount of information about them.
0: And then that's the end of the story. So it's kind of meant to be, sp- like, sprightly compared to the elves. Because it's always in their, like, council meetings. And oh, they're not yeah. just like, who are you? You Gandalf is... has shown up only in the last thousand years. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. Gandalf is super young. Like Elrond's way older than Gandalf. Like Gandalf isn't even around for to see Sauron destroyed. I'm pretty sure he shows up afterwards. Do
0: you know what that's not made clear in? No, am I right about of... that?
1: Am I right about that? Oh, I'm not sure.
0: But then, if you're not right about that, that always begs the question: What role did the wizards play in? The destruction of Sauron. You'd think they'd be quite heavily there. No, they, there. they definitely
1: aren't around for that. Like, they show up after. Like, Gandalf's, like, I don't know, 2,000 years old or so. Well, oh, no, 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 no. To, to, to be fair, he's been in Middle-earth for 2,000 years. He
0: is as old as time itself. He's He comes from space. Okay, we need to read the Silmarillion. But to be <laughs> fair, that makes sense, because Gandalf has to go and, like, read up on the history of the Ring... Whereas, like, Elrond's just like, I was there, mate. I was there, mate. Yeah, he really should have asked Elrond, you know? Would have maybe saved him some time, actually. He wasn't that far. I mean, about to... 17
1: years of time, yeah. <laughs> He's not that far away. He's a couple hundred miles away. You could just gone there.
0: Just, just just checking in on him first. Like, Elrond, is there anything you could fill me in on? Like, I'm about to make a long trip to Minas Tirith. So, the ages of characters. the journey.
1: The ages of characters in Lord of Rings are so wacky. It's not just that the elves are super old. Like, you mentioned Rings of Power. There's a there's a line in there where Sauron says, "I was there when the first sun rose," to Galadriel, to which Galadriel should have said, "Yeah, dude, so was I."
0: Like that's not impressive. I did. I'm never thinking that. I'm like, wasn't the entire Elven race there? Like a, that's the I'm entire city. The everyone was there, basically. Uh, what are we what book are we talking about again? The Silmarillion, right? A collection of short stories, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Bit hard to get through in points. Overly descriptive? descriptive? <laughs> uh, there's let's a spaceman down in there, right? Th- let's break down the ones that we actually read together then. Let's yeah. start with the Geology, Black God's Kiss, and Black God's Shadow.
1: Uh, Wow, these sucked. Uh, these really,
0: really sucked. Incredibly. Right, this is a brief plot description. And when I say brief plot description, I mean here's the whole plot. It's the entire plot. Javel's castle of jewelry is taken by the fiendish... Guma, Gumen. I think his name is Guillaume. 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 That's probably just a normal French name. actually. It might be.
1: Garel's not a normal French name. I think.
0: Wait, is Garel a normal French name? Oh no, a lit- little Englandness is showing. I wasn't even sure the time period on this. I'm like, is this near like. Normandy's well, a thing, but the Romans it, are mentioned at one point. Yeah,
1: well, it's obviously false history, but in the in the quest for the star stone, she said that she's from the year 1500. Oh, well, actually, the Eastern Roman Empire was still around. I guess you could argue that's down. Jorales right. is an ethnic karate group, one of the 59 indigenous peoples of Nepal. It's not a normal name. I mean, it's not a
0: French name. After her fortress is taken, Jorales it's locked up in the tower to be the forced bride of the man that took her took her castle. She escapes, partly flees first to the chapel to talk to the priest who did not get enough characterization. It appears in three of the stories. It's a very, a very repetitive
1: a very repetitive series of dialogue she goes I must venture below to a dark place to find a weapon to defeat Gujaran and he says no it's too dangerous and she says but I must journey to, to, to the bottom to, to find a weapon to defeat arm. he says no it is too dangerous father you must shriven me no it's too dangerous father you must shriven me it's literally like the potion seller sketch <laughs> potion seller you must shriven me no it's too dangerous
0: but then she goes anyway and it turns out, underneath her castle jewelry, there is a secret slide that takes you into the underworld. Whee! yeah, Just like that. It's a spiral just just slide. Uh, never explained. No, no backstory. Not even in the time of my great-grandfather, we built our castle upon this land after defeating a great... Not even something like that. No. Just, we found it one day in the basement. A portal to the Underdark. She travels down. And then she travels. And then she travels and then she travels, and it's very spooky,
1: and there are stars in the cave, and then she travels, and then she finds the black god, which is a statue, and then she smooches it, because it's in a big, like, when you're posing for a selfie with your girlfriends and you will purse your lips, mm, it's a, that sort of pose, and gets a superpower. She gets a magic kiss that will kill people. So she goes back, and she finds Guillaume, and she kisses him, and he dies. But that's not all. This, the revelation at the end, Duncan,
0: is is really something, right? Oh, I did not know where we were meant to take this. This At is... the very end, as Jerome dies, the villain who said he was going to force himself upon her, who took her car, and killed possibly several of her friends, or at least her servants, who she might give a shit about. Yeah. She goes, oh, only as he died did I realise my anger was actually love in disguise.
1: Yes. Secretly, this whole time, this man I've been trying to destroy. I loved how rough and passionate about how he took what he wanted. Namely me, when he forcefully kissed me earlier. What the fuck? So this story was written in 1930. And it turns out, Duncan, that we hadn't invented feminism yet. So, unfortunately, she's not a
0: girl boss. This was very problematic and difficult to read, and... I almost thought it might get better when they explore this in detail in the follow-up story. <laughs> <It does not. laughs> no. No, it was not.
1: So, I will... Now... Yes, please go ahead, Duncan.
0: I... D- I want to say, this was certainly a plot twist I didn't see coming. The
1: fact that she was in love with him, but didn't realise yeah. it herself?
0: I mean, yeah, Honestly, I didn't see that
1: coming either, man.
0: Well... Really pulled over my eyes. If this was the setup, CL, more you deceived me to the end. What a twist! What a twist! M Night Shyamalan. So Black God Shadow, the
1: follow-up is how oh, I really can't stress this enough. I don't think Jarell says anything in this story. She thinks. She thinks feels a bit, but I don't think she says any lines of dialogue, and like. It's kind of a horror story, and it's not unheard of for the perspective character in a horror to not speak or have some part of their identity shrouded. So you might think me a bit pedantic when I say that this is a bad idea, but like, Jarel is a sword and sorcery hero, a la Conan the Barbarian, to the point where, truly and deeply, she just feels like lady conan in the most reductive way possible and now she's like guided by her anger and stuff she just just she, she just doesn't have his charisma like it's just she's just not interesting but she doesn't talk at all in this story she doesn't talk to anyone how is she supposed to leave an impression on me as a character why am i supposed to care she doesn't have anyone to talk to or to express herself to what she's guided by in his story is, oh, the guilt, I, I, I killed him in a bad way.
0: Now his soul is suffering, he's talking to me in my dreams. Right, there's actually something here I quite liked. I do quite like the idea that jor if you take away the fact that she realises she loved this villain the whole time, and just say that in the first story, she was so angry, she went and made a deal with the evil creatures so that she could bestow upon him a fate worse than death. Mm. and then in the second one she actually goes do you know what that's a bit harsh <laughs> yeah. my head's cleared, a fate worse than death was maybe a bit too much, I could have just given him a dagger to the heart, I'm now gonna go and not save him like but bring him back to life him. but spare him his like internal suffering and I kind of do like that, Th- that element I could see working except it's, it the reason it, the thing it's motivated
1: by, the thing that motivates our character is not mercy it's love.
0: There is no love. Not, know, there's no characters this... to be in love. There's nothing. And what we do get is not love. But, oh. Truly, I can't stress this
1: enough. She just goes to the same place again.
0: She the encounters exact same the same world.
1: spooky stuff again. And I, it's so boring. She just wanders around following his voice. And eventually, she finds.
0: Um, how does it end again? I read this yesterday. She is trying to follow his voice and free him from this fate. And at the start, she's following his voice and she fights like a a shadowy presence, which is the the god, the dark god's shadow, the black god's shadow. And then she fights it off. And then instead of following his voice, she can see his like shadow, and she Mm, follows his shadow. And then she fights the dark god again. And fights off his presence. But not in like a sword and sorcery swing her blade around fight. In like a, I felt the darkness and depression come upon me, but my strength of will and my love pulled me through. Mm, That kind of, like it's a mental battle. And then that happens three times on the trot. And in between we get descriptions of this weird dark land. And then she destroys the dark god, destroys whatever element of Goania that was left. And then she goes home. Except these, I want
1: to stress that, like, she defeats the Dark God and then she assumes he's saved. Like, she doesn't know. What she actually knows is... She doesn't have a reason reasoning. to know it. She's like, I did it. I saved the day.
0: Her reasoning is she can no longer hear his, like, cries of anguish. So she can only assume that he's okay.
1: Yeah, that's what when happens. She's like, well, those people stop. no longer
0: bother me. Yeah. I even a
1: bit where he's like... Thank you. And I'm sorry for all I did to you. You have a merciful soul. And then he drifts away. Nothing like that. He's just gone. And the story's over. She doesn't even go back
0: to the entrance. It just ends. I think these first two stories... Are really there... To explore this dark, twisted underland. It's Yeah. You have these ex- long... Long, extensive descriptions of this creepy terrain, this babbling brook that babbles horrific words, these fields of plants that are actually carnivorous, you know, yeah. these little leechy creatures that if they jump up, she will rip the flesh off. That's all it's really doing.
1: Yes, and Nothing I think more. I think I know the reason for that. I think I know why. Um, and the fact is that she's not just a contemporary of robert e howard she's not just writing in the magazine of robert e howard she's also writing contemporaneously with hp lovecraft indeed she
0: was and it's recorded they had a letter correspondence that's interesting i can't believe hp lovecraft ever spoke to a woman he was married but
1: he hated his wife he was the world's biggest anti Semite and married a Jewish woman. You can't tell
0: me that he ever actually talked. He didn't know his wife was Jewish! Back to CL Moore, though. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, there's a strong inspiration from the twisted world of H.P. Lovecraft that's being really strongly channeled. As someone who's read some of H.P. Lovecraft's work, not all of it, I would say that this is certainly worse done than any of the H.P. Lovecraft's I've read.
1: I don't know, man. There's some really bad H.P. Lovecraft out there. Because he's a guy who will do endless description, endless description, endless description. And she's inherited his worst traits, but not his imagination. Like, his fucked up dark imagination.
0: I think that's part of the thing. None of these kind of dark descriptions were actually that horrifying. A lot of the time we're told how Jarel is horrified. Yeah. Our strong protagonist, sword woman, and... I don't want to say that I'm presuming too much what Joelle should be, but the next couple of stories pretend that she is this sort of sword woman, this warrior. And we're kind of told that she's a warrior. She's strong. She's going down there. But all it is, yeah. is it was scary. I ran away. Also, gravity's less here. So I run away like um, John Carter from, of Mars <laughs> and like, leap over the terrain. They weren't contemporaries, though. John Carter came first, right? Yeah, but only by about ten years. No, I think the series okay, was ongoing. Okay. I, I, I thought he was early. I might be um, completely wrong, I'm, but I, I'm confident. I've never That's read John Carter.
1: I don't think we can do it on a podcast. It is sci-fi, so
0: um, it's sci-fi in the same way Star was a sci-fi. I I would let it slide. You won't even let me do Dune. Dune All is right. borderline.
1: Okay. I, no, listen up. I was waiting for us to do Silence of the Girls, but apparently we're not going to do that. Um, so Duncan. Sons of the girls and song of achilles are fantasy right yes because the story of troy and troy is a fantasy for her gods and shit
0: yeah mythology fantasy i, I think they're very much the same sphere yeah. Venn yeah. diagram yeah, 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 is yeah. a circle so duncan you know how
1: um in the sequel to dune paul's sister looks back in time to the time of agamemnon of whom she and paul are direct descendants meaning that the trojan war happens in the story of dune i mean i actually
0: do know that yes
1: yeah you were you knew that the whole time didn't you
0: you are hiding it from me i would always say that when we have this debate about sci-fi and fantasy I would your do you... definition
1: duncan is if you go far enough back in time you get to our real world but that is not true for dune because if you go even further back you get to the, the war of troy where Agamemnon is around
0: I'm in the shock silence. Um, <laughs> I, I would accept Dune. Dune right? is the borderline. Dune, to me, is the line. Hot dog! If you're to the right of Dune, north of Dune, you're sci-fi, so to the south of it, you're fantasy. I will let Dune stand as a fantasy. It is the most sci-fi fantasy you can be. It's a what a wizard. I would let Dune stand as fantasy, yes. sci fantasy. What if it was northwest sci-fi, don't Oh, well, then you're going off into H.P. Lovecast realm. That's when the weird gods live. Okay, you missed my
1: foreshadowing, but that's okay. So, moving on to the third story which I read, um, the quest for the Starstone. Okay, Duncan, so... Sometimes fantasy novels have ray guns in them, right?
0: Absolutely. I'm a big supporter that Star Wars is fantasy.
1: There we go. And speaking of Star Wars, let's talk about Han Solo and Northwest Smith. So, Sion Moore wrote another character, um I have to assume a more successful character that I I have no basis for that.
0: The only basis I can have is that in this story, Northwest has far more interesting characterization than Jarrell gets in any of the others. Yeah,
1: he's he's a lot more fun to read about. And in fact, Duncan, um I actually enjoyed this. I one.
0: did too. That's why when you asked said to me, Duncan, I can't I can't finish this, I went, Right, Geordie, if you're gonna read one more after the first two Go with the quest for the Star Stone because it's just zany enough. It has just a bit more character that it's actually fun, if not still having some of the key faults. Yeah, because you got just like a
1: very stock
0: character. Like I say,
1: very Han Soloy space smuggler, gun runner. Oh, I'm so tired of this business. Slightly noirish, slightly cowboy. A lot of appeal, a lot of easy to jump into and be like, oh, this is fun. And he has a sidekick. He has a Venusian fella called uh Yokal. I really should have brought in my book with me.
0: But really it's surprising if I told you this is probably the set of stories with the least notes I've ever made. Cause I just got to the point where I was like, <laughs> yeah, what am yeah. I noting down? Normally I note down character names, plot points, like my feelings at certain points in the plot, or key ideas or things that I want to uh-huh. bring up later. And this was just so messy, I was like There's no point. There's no point remembering these character names because I'm not going to go, oh yes, Franca. Now this guy, I've got a lot to say about because it doesn't matter. That's not what any of this is about.
1: All of my notes were just me taking pictures of the pages because I couldn't be bothered to
0: make the effort to open my notes app. So damning. But let's get back to the one we liked. Quest for the Starstone. Geordie, we've got a sci-fi team up here. We've got Han Solo and Chewbacca. That's right. What are they doing in our... Yes. swordwoman epic from... Oh, 1,500
1: AD. Yeah, so jor steals the Star Stone from a, a warlock. And this is bad. Now he's like, oh no, it's a source of my power. But I will summon a foe who can best you, jor even if I have to search all of time and space. And so takes that very literally the space part anyway and he summons uh, some guy from a martian bar and says hey I'll pay you to kill a woman and he's like fucking deal and so he and this one other guy he tags along accidentally accidentally literally holding two drinks genuinely an almost ford prefect move to be honest they walk up to jor castle and say hey we want to see your lady. The guard says, no, no one can see the lady. And he says, but I really want to. And so he gets let in. And it's exactly what you'd expect. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got my two heroes together. I want to do a description of both of them, how they have, have strong eyes and stuff. They they immediately like, don't get along. We can sense a tenuous alliance could bloom. And then he they all get whisked away to a magic realm by the warlock when he tries to steal the stone and then they have to team up and fight the warlock and it's 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 very standard but it works it works a lot better than the other ones because stuff is happening
0: stuff is happening now there's still some major problems here namely that warlock goes i will search all of time and space and he literally just pops up in like mossized cantina and goes, Hi, w- which one of you guys is cheap? Mate, you'll do. Come on. Yep, you call gun, let's go. It's like all of time and space. All of the cosmic horrors we've already established exist in this world through like the black god's kiss. And he literally. and he picks up just a gunslinger. Not even like an elite soldier. Yeah. Or a guy who's famous for being like cave I don't know about Northwest. Maybe there's other stories he's a real badass, but like he's just in a bar. How grand is he? Yeah, he might be drunk. He's on his way to getting drunk.
1: So, because Jarelle is such a bad character, and to be honest, she is because she's so hollow, she doesn't have any chance to really engage with these characters. She kind of gets dragged along against her will because everything about her character should be oh, I have to immediately kill these people because they betrayed me. If he was weird that she just tags along with them as they make their escape through this weird star realm. Once again, they get whisked away to a strange other world. But the ending's pretty good, if abrupt. Very abrupt.
0: I'd like to hear what you think is good about this ending, because I had some real issues here. So, there's... there's... Okay, well, Duncan, have you ever seen the movie Tangled? Yes. I don't know how this is going to tie in, but yes. This... Book has the same ending to the movie Tangled. We we read the same book. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So like he gets like uh wrapped up in magical chains and he's being tortured. He's he's dying in fact. And Jarrell says, no, for some reason I care about whether this guy who betrayed me lives or dies because I guess I just have a really messed up relationship with men. And it's the thirties, or maybe the fifties at this point, who knows. I need to save him. I will give you the star stone, which can only be taken off someone's corpse, or given willingly. And he goes, no, don't do it, Jarell. Don't do it, don't sacrifice yourself for me. And as she's about to hand over the stone, he lashes out and he kicks the stone and he breaks it. Which is just like Flynn Rider choosing to cut... Rapunzel's hair instead of letting her go back to being Mother Gothel's slave.
0: Okay, there's a few key points there though that don't line up and why Tangle is does it a lot better. Number one, entangled I can't believe I'm talking about Tangled now. In Tangled, he sacrifices her hair. because good, movie, a good movie. she's going to like heal him and he is definitely going to die. Like that's already preset. In this version of the story, he's being tortured, and the idea is that if she gives up the stone, he'll stop trying to kill him. Entangled, Mother Gothel has already stabbed him. He is already going to die. Uh, Flynn Rider is already going to die. That changes the stakes, because we've already established that this warlock character is not trustworthy and was planning to kill them all anyway. Like, that was the premise for why Northwest turned on the warlock, because he realises even if I take the stone from Jarrell, the warlock's just going to kill me anyway. There's no getting back unless I kill the warlock. So that was Northwest being clever. Jarell handing the stone over is her being unbelievably unperceptive yeah. of the situation. Also, if we've also established that the starstone, you need to destroy it to break the warlock's magic, why didn't Jarell just break it? What was Jarell planning to use the starstone for? She's not magical, she has no purpose. Did they establish that? Or oh, she takes it because it gives her luck. Luck. It is a lucky rock to her. <laughs>
1: Don't put it like that. It's magic. It's magic luck. You, please
0: give me an example in the book where they explain how that magic luck works.
1: Um,
0: she's not actually that lucky in this story. No, she is not. How does the starstone benefit Jarrell? She just hoodwinked.
1: Any point? And beaten up. And her sword melts. I guess she did dodge a laser beam. That's pretty good.
0: And that's with the starstone. Maybe. It makes so little sense. It doesn't even make emotional sense because Terrell and Northwest don't have like an emotional connection. This is They've spent very little time together. We literally see every moment of their like time together. We we read every word they share. There's no even like off page implied conversation.
1: He doesn't even know her name. He keeps calling her Joyri.
0: He does, doesn't
1: he? Technically speaking, I guess if they'd like you know, like nobility, I guess sometimes you do refer to someone by location. They do that a lot, from like Henry V, but they just call each other like Grandchester.
0: Oh, to be fair, isn't that because... My cousin Westermore. Isn't that because at the time, a lot of these people, like the place were named after their family? Is that not the thing? Uh, so it's uh, like, oh, Lord Hastings, well, the Duke of Hastings. I think Hastings th- is named after uh, Hastings. I don't know, that might not be true of history. I, I'm not a historian at all. I mean, I've upset a lot of people.
1: I don't know, man. Now, now, I'm, now I'm doubting myself. So, now we're talking about Henry V.
0: We've gone, we're gone off, t- off topic again. Henry V. But that, Henry V is an excellent, excellent play. and I you have it? It's on locally. N- no, it's
1: not. It sucks. <laughs> uh,
0: that's such a, such, it's so boring. No, it doesn't. It's, it's got one... It has a, that great opening yeah. speech, the final battle...
1: It's got two good
0: speeches. He murders people.
1: He does murder people.
0: Prisoners of war, in fact. Whoa! Why do they hate him, the fifth, so much? What do he do? In real life? Why
1: do I hate Henry the Fifth so much? Yeah, like it's just not that good. It's like Richard II. Shakespeare did some duds. You fucking nailed it, that speech though, right? On Crispin's Crispian shall ne'er go by Until the ending of the world We in it shall be remembered We few, we happy few We band of brothers For he who lives through this day Shall be my brother Be he ne'er so vile This day shall gentle his condition And gentlemen in England now abed Shall think themselves a curse If they were not here And hold their manhood's cheek Or as any speaks who fought of us On our St Crispin's day Sick
0: Okay, three things Number one, I've actually Genuinely never even heard of Richard II, other than that it technically exists. Number two, when it you sucks. said Henry V, I actually confused it with Richard III for a bit. And... <laughs> three, amazing work on that speech. Thank you, man.
1: Uh, I've seen the Kenneth Branagh speech quite a few times. Sometimes I actually watch it whilst working out to get motivated. Do you know
0: what? I'm happy for you. I should consider that. <laughs> Instead of running along to like just some background music, I should like queue up a list of like, epic speeches from media just be like just as aragorn does his it is not this day yeah speech. exactly yes you can't stop running when he's doing that for sure
1: if but when someone's going four for fae gas you're gonna be like yes four for me and keep running about treadmill <laughs> once again we are not talking about jurel of jewelry duncan do you have any other fantasy novels you'd rather talk about than jurel of jewelry
0: i kind of want to talk about red Sonia more i had a blast reading those comics Sure, sure. Going back to the early Dynamite stuff, It, it's definitely, there are issues. I want to make that very clear. There is a bit where there's a fight in a pool and there's not a lot of clothing and there's all these splashes of water on the page that just conveniently cover everything on everyone and it's fucking hilarious.
1: That's funny, but also, there weren't a lot of clothes going on ahead of time anyway.
0: No, that's true.
1: What's... We'll say one thing about jor At least most of the time she's wearing wearing armour.
0: She is, and I I appreciate that. I appreciate that she's wearing armour. I don't know if it's historically... I'm not super confident on the setting. Historically relevant armour? She's
1: wearing Roman greaves in the year 1500. About 1,000 years after the collapse of the Roman Empire. Again, unless she means the Eastern Roman Empire. In which case, I don't really know what she means by Roman greaves. Because... That's a long period of history to be like to be drawing inspiration from, so it doesn't really conjure up an image the same way that like a Roman legionary would. So I don't know.
0: To be honest, because there's no like strong characterization and we don't have that much in the way of recurring characters, if you were to tell me that we're actually like following like a descendant of like Jarel, so like oh. maybe maybe the Jarel very involved in Greaves <laughs> isn't the one in Fifteen hundred. Maybe these are just different genres well, of jewelry. I mean, they apparently they both have
1: jaundice.
0: She's described as having yellow eyes. Ah, see, I always just write that off. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of. What? The, who? What, there's definitely a bit of fiction that uses yellow eyes for like werewolves. I don't know what it is, but I always have that association.
1: Star Wars? Are the werewolves in Star Wars have yellow eyes? Because the Sith sure do
0: genuinely you have my brain wheeling really now trying to work out that are oh, actually werewolves in star wars probably on some level there must be duncan i'm
1: gonna ask you some things and you're gonna tell me if they exist in star wars okay
0: i'll try
1: okay uh do do so i've never seen anyone in star wars wear a spacesuit do they have
0: spacesuits in star wars yes okay
1: good thank you because in, in the fifth one they only just wear a little mask that's because they, uh, okay, weren't, um, they were
0: actually in upper atmosphere, not actually in space. And why did they wear the mask? Because they're in the upper atmosphere, and best spin, if you think about it, is a gas planet, so it's, it's bad. Actually, no, Duncan, they're uh, they on Oh, asteroid. they're on the asteroid, you're right, sorry, I've got that confused. Why do they wear the mask? There must be a small, the asteroid is big enough to have atmosphere, there you go.
1: Okay, uh, other things they have in Star Wars. Uh, Duncan, do do, uh, do they have universal healthcare in Star Wars? Who's paying for these BAFTA tanks?
0: So the BAFTA tanks are mostly owned by two giant corporations that have a monopoly um, over the production of um, BAFTA. In fact, it's explored in detail mm. during the, in the novel The Bacta Wars, which is the, I believe it's the fourth uh, X-Wing novel. That's not real, right? Yeah, that's totally real, mate.
1: Oh my God. Okay. Uh, more things in Star Wars. Um, so in, so as we all know, Indiana Jones, scared of snakes. Is Han
0: Solo scared of snakes? Is Han Solo scared of snakes? That is a genuinely good question. I'm going to go no.
1: Yes, Duncan, that is correct. I happen to know the answer to that one. There's a scene in a what-if story where Leia turns evil after they fail to blow up the Death Star where Han Solo picks up a snake and is like, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not Indiana Jones. Uh, next question, Duncan. Is Bigfoot real in Star Wars? He's
0: Chewbacca. Yes, he is real and he is Chewbacca. Uh, Duncan is chocolate in Star Wars. What does Han Solo, not Han Solo, Lando Calrissian invent? Brings hot chocolate to the masses. <laughs> <laughs> that's, his, that's his next there. After he does his mining on the asteroid, after he does his underwater casino, after he does his fake like Truman Show town on Coruscant, makes heart chocolate.
1: Okay, I'm going to skim past the Truman Show one, because that wasn't on my list, but Jim Carrey is real in Star Wars. My next one, we know that snakes exist. One of them showed up in Rise of Skywalker. We know that frogs exist. Yoda's people love to eat them. Uh, Do do cats exist in Star Wars?
0: No, but if they did, Palpatine would totally be a cat person.
1: Oh yeah, he'd stroke it like Blowfeld. You just see that, can't you?
0: He's got to have his little down moments. Yes, like Palpatine can't always be evil on the throne. Like through necessity, he has to shower. Surely.
1: Oh, for sure, he's getting so many sponge baths. Get inside my wrinkles. Make sure that I'm pure.
0: Let's be on real. On the other hand, Darth using... Vader
1: never showers.
0: He baths. Baths. He has a bath in Bacta, linking it back in. And also, Palpatine would. There's no way that that is like not a very smelly.
1: You tell me he's walking around smelly like disinfectant. He's got his burns. He's got to like disinfect himself like
0: all the time.
1: I don't think. I don't think he gets moisturized. I think he's just stuck in that suit.
0: Mate, it's literally in Rogue One. We see him in having his back to bath.
1: Is he? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Also, the guy's giving the sponge. Bath to Palpatine. It's they're sitting in their red uniforms, aren't they? That's why they got the long sticks. They put the sponge on the end of the stick. Oh yes. A hundred percent. Respectful di- Respectful distance. Do you have out of jewelry?
1: <sighs> do we have to? Uh Duncan, what the fuck else happens with these stories?
0: So there are three stories you didn't read and I kind of pair them in terms of quality. The first two geology, so many descriptions, absolutely awful. The second two, we do very quick. Jor-El steps into a fantasy land. The first one, she's chasing a wizard, and then she goes to the fantasy realm where she meets a witch, and she goes to the witch's castle, and there are mirrors, and the witch has summoned all these monsters. It's a bit weird. (laughs) Not a lot happens. The second one, she's on a deathbed, and she gets wished away to a fantasy realm by the king of that realm, who I believe is called Pav. And he's like. I save you from your deathbed so that you can be queen with me and rule my land. She makes a deal where she goes, you've got to at least give me a chance to escape this land. So, or find a weapon to kill you. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. You can't do it. And then she wanders through the land, which instead of you having to actually walk places, you just go, I want to be in those mountains now. And then you just kind of arrive there once you decide where you want like to go. Like in
1: VR. Oh, good. It means we skip the walking. Yeah, so like in VR, where like you just click a button and you teleport, because if you walk around too much, you'll vomit.
0: I mean, it does save us some descriptions of trees, which is very much appreciated. Long story short, she bumps into the only other person in this world who is the scorned ex-lover of the king of the land, who's like, how dare you take him from me? And Jira's like, I want to kill him. She's like, how dare you? Oh, okay then. And then you you leave, and then I'll (laughs) be queen. Okay, okay, cool. There's this really kind of cute, cute, weird moment where she's standing on this plateau and the king of the land is approaching her. And what it is, he... (laughs) The description I thought was really fun. He's walking through the forest towards her, but he's giant. But as he gets closer, he slowly shrinks in size. So the relative perspective of him always stays the same. That was a really nice moment, and that has a really cool ending where it's revealed that the king of the land is sort of just a personification of the land itself, like they were one and the same. It, it's, it's okay, but it does, it's just a el being like, a basically a king going, you will be my woman, jor going, no. And then weird stuff ensues. And the final one is called Hell's Guard. This is the most grounded of all the stories. No fantasy land, no sci-fi elements. She doesn't get wished away anywhere. Instead, we actually get some characterization. Jarrell is oh. travelling into like a, uh, an abandoned castle in a swamp to find a treasured item because some of her men have been captured in a siege and the general who captured them said, I'll let them go. We've got to bring me this item that this man took years ago and hid in the swamp in his castle. Good hook. I like it. And she travels to the castle and out front she sees a row of armed men but as she approaches, she realises they are all dead and impaled upon their spears. And the castle is in fact inhabited by the great descendants of the man that meant missing, apparently, in the swamp. And then what we get is a bunch of ableist bullshit where it's oh asserted that anyone who just has a physical deformity must be evil or damned by God. Oh makes me very unhappy with Jorel, And then we get to say that the descendants Want Jarrell because she can tempt the ghost of the man that went missing back from the dead because she is so attractive. The ghost of the man can't resist trying to come back from the dead to get it on. With <laughs> her. And she thinks they want this to do this so that they can capture the ghost and find out where he buried his treasure. But then, Geordie, spoilers, it's revealed yeah. they're not his descendants. That actually, all these people at the castle are undead eaters. They eat the undead. They travel around the world hunting ghosts so that they can sustain themselves off their, like, ghost energy.
1: That's what the Ghostbusters were doing!
0: (laughs) It's absolutely bonkers, but there's a genuine scene of jor being, like, trapped in a room... And she goes up to the door with, like, a really thin knife. And she, she waits to hear if the guard, like, falls asleep or, like, leans against the door. And she jabs her knife <laughs> through and, like, kills him in one <laughs> blow. And the blood leaks out on the floor. And it's like we're actually reading a sword and sorcery story from a moment. <laughs> okay. there's actually Right, <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. Eye of Argon. Better read. than <gasps> of Drury.
1: No no, you're completely right. That was so much more entertaining and readable. Like actually readable. Like I want to read what's happening next. It, and it and like as many as crazy as that story is and how contradictory like the descriptions are, blue rubies and shit, right? Red sapphires. Red Emerald, excuse me. That one is so much more legible than these stories. Like, everything in that just makes sense. And this doesn't. It just is so turgid and boring and insufferably hard to get through. Again, Duncan, like, 1,500 pages of Aragorn and Sophia going on adventures in the time it took to read 60 pages of this crap.
0: I want to say that I'm sure that C.L. Moore put out other work that was interesting and engaging. Northwest as a character, I'm kind of like, yeah, actually. If I read Another Adventure with him in, doing some sci-fi Han Soloing, but he predates Han Solo, I'm not saying it like apes that, it's just a good comparison point. I could be behind that, but all of these Geralt stories are either completely inconsistent in terms of what they want to achieve. There's no, like, if you like one, you might not like any of the others. No, that's so and true. And there's no character behind Like, like how him. would you even recommend a story? There's no character that you... I don't know who Jarelle is. I don't know what her wants or her likes are, other than that she gets angry at people and sometimes falls in love with a response. Duncan, is
1: this the worst book we've done in the podcast?
0: It's only saving grace. is that Quest for the Starstone, as a short story, was okay. It's possible. It was short. Didn't even have chapter breaks, did it? Well, they're meant to be short stories. You're meant to be flying through it at a quick pace. But the, the, the first book had, chact- had ch- story had chapter breaks. Did it? Yeah. That yeah. passed me by. So, is it the worst? It was the most dull and hardest to get through for me. Other than The Quest for the Starstone, which was just mildly above average. But the first two, that duology, the Black God's Kiss and the Black God's Shadow. Probably the worst i've read on this podcast
1: the only one that i like right down there at the bottom of my list in terms of the books we've read is um devil and devil and silver demon and silver
0: oh my goodness i even forgot about that yeah okay demon that was pretty silver. bad i don't know but it's bad
1: but like at least it's mostly it's legible like we none of us struggle to neither of us struggle to finish it
0: I think that really speaks volumes, is that this is so short. This shouldn't have been a challenge. Even if we didn't like it, Geordie, you should have finished it in three days. I should have finished it yeah. in like three days. It took... We should have been able to do this. Higher Like a, a bonus
1: episode. Just do it in a week, but...
0: I am glad that I read all the stories. Because I think if I just read... I'm impressed. I'm truly and genuinely impressed that you managed to get through it all. So, I'm glad at least I can say I've done it now. And no one can tell me what you don't like out, but duncan did you not read House guard i'm like i've done it oh, this is my final conclusion done it all
1: it n- wasn't i hope duncan that this has enhanced your pulp fiction scholarship because that is definitely your wheelhouse it's not my area of expertise at all i've never read a conan pastiche i've not seen the red sonya movie Uh, And I hope that this has added to your canon.
0: It has. And it's added to my appreciation with where elements may have come from. And it's also given me an appreciation to what works in other sword and sorcery fiction and what cannot work and how things can, on the surface, have certain elements. But it's that pace. It's that life. It's that fire that keeps them going and makes them such enjoyable reads. Jarelle Conan likes... is
1: not a complicated character, but he has charisma. Like, you want to follow him on his adventures. Like, he's engaging. Even when he's, like, kind of evil. I mean, he's chauvinistic and stuff. You like, But I can see why people will want to read this. And this is just shaking my, de- my head. I'm shaking my head. So, Jordi, recommendations? I think that... You know, Aragon's a pretty good book. Did a little revisit of it. I can see where some people's complaints have come from, and it definitely, you know, uh, Christopher Polone had a lot to learn as a writer. But um, there's a reason why that book was so successful. Well, yeah, definitely recommend that. Not this crap.
0: I and it really pains me to because I went in with such high hopes, but I cannot recommend *Tirel of Jewelry*. I can. Even people who are fans of Sword and Sorcery have heard about CMO's work. And if she has written better stuff out there, great. I'd love to hear about it. Let me know on our Instagram. But this was not fun. This did not... I don't feel the knowledge and enlightenment I gained in my scholarship in Sword and Sorcery was worth pushing through. So I can't recommend it to anyone else. How can I recommend something that I didn't enjoy? Yeah, you are
1: the person this is made for. Like in the modern day at least.
0: There is so much more out there. Works that were written at the time that have been written since, that have been written right now in this subgenre yeah. that are more worth your time than Gerard of Jewelry.
1: What a letdown. What a letdown. I really thought we were gonna find something forgotten. But I should have known. Duncan, I should have known for the moment I picked up the book because like the the cover of this book the, the version I had, the Golden Age Masterworks, um, so, so farmed out, looks like absolute crap. The front cover doesn't, doesn't tell you anything about the story. The blurb is so basic and it's so paint by numbers. Um, no one at the publishing house gave a damn thing about this book. They, they, they went back and they said, what old stuff do we have in the archives that we can just throw onto the page and someone will buy because it's like a noteworthy thing that a woman author was writing this period about this particular subject.
0: Sorry, I'm actually genuinely a little bit too pained. It does feel that way. And again, I really want to stress, we were only reading one character by C.L. Moore. She had such a prolific career. I have great confidence that some of her other works may have been more entertaining some of her cipher works, some of her collaborative works. So don't write off C.L. Moore just because she's jewelry. Do write off jor of Jewelry. Write it off. Duncan, it's the part of a show we decide
1: what we're going to read next time. Um, I've been given the easiest task in the world,
0: following up jor of Jewelry. Please make it a good one. I need it.
1: I'm picking a good one. I'm doing it. And, I already spent my damn money on it. So... Bye. I'm gonna bite the bullet, and I'm gonna be the grown-up here, and I'm gonna pick Silence of the Girls.
0: I am absolutely over the moon at this pick, Geordie. As you know, I, yeah, I bet you are dude. It's your choice. I'm just,
1: I'm just giving you a free book that you just get to choose to do, but I spent my damn money and so I'm going to get my money's
0: worth. And I'm really hoping that we're going to super enjoy this. A return to the setting of Troy from a new perspective. I'm so pumped for this. I didn't even mention it. I'm reading mythos at the moment, very slowly. Hmm. So Stephen I'm... Fry. Stephen Fry's book on this. I'm... One day we'll probably read Sims Fry's version of Troy as well. Yeah, probably does a good audiobook. Thank you so much. You've been the bigger man here. You owe me a damn scroll romance, you son of a gun. Maybe for your birthday. Save it. That's a long way away. I know. Ah. So looking forward to to reading Silence of the Girls with you. And if you're listening on to this and you've read Silence of the Girls, or if you're reading along to this and you're one of the two other people who've read Jail of Jury, let us know your thoughts on our instagram it's just fantasy podcast we also post other reviews there we'd love to hear from you people it's really sort of a growing platform we want to get more content on there you can also reach out to us at our gmail it's just fantasy podcast at gmail.com as well that's another great way to get in contact if you especially if you have a more in-depth Yeah, you, know, you if you want to send us an essay that'll be the way again love to hear from you all geordie i'm very excited for next week
1: I think we spent about a half hour of this show talking about *Jurel of Jory*, and, and the rest of it was literally just any other fantasy novel we could think of. Yes. Hopefully that doesn't happen next time. And until then, I've been your host, Jordy Bailey.
0: I've been your host, Duncan Nickel. Bye-bye. Bye.